Welcome to the Young Adult Podcast, where we will be engaging in weekly conversations around the amazing, tough, fun, weird, but extremely important and defining season of your 20s, all while bringing you more of a biblical perspective. Our goal is to dive deeper into conversations that push you, challenge you, and hopefully inspire you to begin to walk in the fullness of who God created you to be, which we believe will make you the most effective for the kingdom of God. Let's jump into this week's episode. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Young Adult Podcast. My name is Milana, and I will be your host for this week's podcast. Joining me in our little studio this week is our regular podcast resident, Mr. Connor Grimm, here hey. as per usual, <laughs> gives himself <laughs> the, the applause button. No, that's real. <laughs> that's our live studio audience. Live they missed you audience. after last week. Um, and then... Back to record another podcast is one of our wonderful YA residents, Miss Heather Reinders. Oh, oh, dang oh. it! I was looking for. Hi. There oh, we go. There we go. There we go. I thought you were looking for like the booze or something. Are there booze? Yeah, oh, there's that. That's kind of close. Oh. We should record some booze. <laughs> that would probably be too dangerous for Connor yeah, to have a boo. But every time we say there. something, he boos. <laughs> Couldn't be trusted. Yeah. Guys, how's it going? How was your weekend? My weekend was great. I I actually spent uh, the Fourth of July in Lake of the Ozarks. Oh, um, what? So <laughs> hey. What are those like? What's the? Give us your honest. My honest or is it like sell us on Lake spring of the Ozarks break elevator pitch? I don't know if I want to sell. I mean, it's in Missouri, which there's nothing wrong with Missouri, but I think Lake of the Ozarks is a very if. I mean, what do you think of when you think of Lake of the Ozarks? Like, like spring break, riding around on like pontoons, very like, like yee yeah yee yee. What is that's that? A, <laughs> that's a good way like to put cowboy? it. Cowboy? Yeah, like no, but like, like redneck, like yeah. not cowboy, like redneck. No, I'm not gonna say redneck because there's houses that are like ten million dollars there. Yeah, good like for camo them. Crocs vibes. Uh, oh, that's it's good. Both. Yeah, I that's think it's good. both. It's it's Connor really, was wearing camel crocs. <laughs> I would never own crocs. Um, it's very wealthy people mixed with, I think, uh, this is what I'll say, people from Missouri that love to fish. Yeah, that's the vibe I was thinking. Yeah, this is which is great. Now, I wasn't there for, well, I wasn't there for 4th of July specifically. I was there kind of the week after so, or like the day after, so everything had calmed down quite a bit. We didn't get a ton of the party, and we were there for like uh, like during the week, which I guess is way more calm. Um, but no, we just went out and took the boat out a ton. It yeah, was great. That sounds fun. You just celebrated a birthday too, right? Yeah, I just turned thirty four. <laughs> oh, I really wanted you to do like the dun, 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 dun. Yeah. <laughs> No, thirty four, man. I- I'll tell you this: the o- this was the first birthday where I was like. I could almost be halfway through my life. Like, I could die. Oh, my gosh. Soon. A little mini midlife crisis. Not even, like, a crisis, but this was the first birthday where, like, mortality entered my oh brain. My oh, my gosh. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I'm being serious. I know. That's just really intense. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, like, I've kind of, like, changed everything. Well, I'm starting today. Changing everything from, like, how I work out to how I eat to, like, I've been listening to this guy who was on Joe Rogan a few times, but he's like a doctor who studies longevity. Mm-hmm. His whole thing, his like pitch is like how to live to a hundred, but that's not really like his his like 
premise. It's more just like how how do you not slow down as you age? And so he has these like pillars. Unfortunately, one of them is like flexibility and mobility, which is like I'm terrible <laughs> at. So I've got to start doing yoga again. For all you new agers out there that love <laughs> yoga. I love yoga. My Do mother-in-law really? would not And you're approve. a Christian? You love worshiping the devil while oh we're not like it's so drama. <laughs> oh Come my gosh. No, but just I don't know. It was the first birthday where I was kind of like, oh man, I need to start taking care of myself intentionally. Hmm. If I don't want to like be a hermit when I'm like 65. Right. So an active yeah. grandpa and Yeah. But yeah. no, it's a it's a cool birthday. I feel like 35, and I mean, I could listen back to this in a year and be totally off. I feel like 35 (laughs) is going to be a big year for me, just in a lot of life decisions. And so this is kind of like a year of like prepping Mm. for those. So, yeah, yeah, I've got like a whole little routine I get to go. I go through on my birthdays, but I got to go to Bruto restaurant in downtown Denver. (laughs) I feel like I'm talking a lot. (laughs) This is great. Um, Connor has a whole Bruto spiel. It's the best restaurant (laughs) in Denver. Um, There's literally nothing close. It is expensive, <laughs> but it is worth every penny. Hmm. So if you are looking for an anniversary, an extremely expensive date, or something like that, go to Bruto. It'll blow your freaking mind. There's a guy, his name, chef's name is Michael. There's another guy I was talking to. Oh, I feel so terrible. I can't remember his name, but he makes pasta. Some of the coolest guys in the world. Super nice. How many chefs are there cooking you dinner? Four to five. Whoa. Four to five, and they're uh, in front four, of you. Four, four, but and then they have like a uh, like a sommelier slash bartender kind of person back there. And this is all happening in front of you while you you're sit eating. at a counter. It sits like fifteen people, I think. Okay, and you like total. And so it's, it's like you hibachi just sit at a bar. style. No, but no, <laughs> not hibachi. Don't you dare use that I'm word. I'm so glad you did that. Don't I'm, use that if word. If anybody That's asks me about it, I'm saying that it's like hibachi vibe. No, they cook everything in a wood fire. Like so, it's oven. like Benihana. Oh, how dare you! Start the podcast over. Hibachi vibes, but literally twenty times. No, the price they have of a giant wood fire like oven, like an open wood oven that they cook everything in or on. Um, except for they have one little like flat top that they like finish stuff on, I guess. Um, but it's sorry, so it's like we, pizza. we're nine minutes in. <laughs> it is insane. It's a, I mean, literally, truly, and I'm not just saying this. It's the best food hands down in Denver. There's nothing even close. Um, yeah, but you'll pay for it. But it's if you're a foodie <laughs> and you're into that, it's worth every penny of it. If you're a foodie. Or a glutton, and you want to go spend. Just kidding. That's sinful. No, it's not. It's not even gluttonous. You will leave like perfectly full. It's art. It's it's literally <laughs> what it is. It's art. I love this. It's art. Connor is four. a yes Enneagram Four passionate foodie, if self-proclaimed seen, Michelin chef. If you've seen Chef's Table, it's that. It's the only place in Denver um, that would be like Chef's Table. All right. Well, if you're listening and you want. An expensive date or anniversary dinner or you... Do you want to take Heather out on a date? Yeah, if you want to take Heather and <laughs> no. really woo her, you guys. Go to Bruto. Take her to Bruto $500. and she'll comment the whole time about how it's just like hibachi. <laughs> <laughs> they might kick you out. I am not the kind of girl you want to take to that restaurant. Uh, <laughs> amazing. Um, well, happy birthday, Connor. Another year wiser. Um, <laughs> guys, another- calm down. Okay. <laughs> 
studio audience needs to just chill a little bit. Um, No, but let's jump into this week's um, podcast topic because I think there is a lot to just explore here. Um, We are going to get into the question and sort of this idea surrounding, is sin even real? Is sin even real? And uh, a couple weeks ago, Connor actually gave a really great message um, at Young Adults regarding sin and repentance and kind of these hot button or hot topic words surrounding the church, sort of maybe ones that have maybe baggage or just certain connotations surrounding them. Um, So let's just, before we even get into anything, let's just like sort of dive into that. Like when you hear the word sin, either growing up in church, not growing up in church, what sort of connotations do you feel like that word has surrounding it you first or me oh you okay (laughs) no i mean i grew up in a wildly charismatic church um and so sin was like this boogeyman kind of thing Mm. it was always associated with like shame it was always associated with kind of guilt um it yeah so i think when people hear sin they hear like bad right and i think like I think we need to change that because sin isn't necessarily bad, but it's wrong, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, I think we think of sin as like bad people sin or sin equals bad. Right. And not, I mean, yes, some and sometimes, but but it's more wrong than it is bad. And so, but I think when a lot of people hear sin, I, I feel like I have to give like a million balancing statements because now somebody's <laughs> going to be like, Connor doesn't think sin's bad. Um <laughs> No, sin is the worst thing ever. Um, but yeah, I think I just think people hear like shame. You're a bad person. You're not mm-hmm. worthy. You shouldn't. You're like you should feel shameful about. It. I think shame is probably the word that's attached to sin in my right. mind most. Right. Yeah, I didn't really grow up in church um, and was a young life kid, so that is kind of like the other end of the spectrum. Um, and was just always kind of taught that like heavy grace that sin is a condition of my heart and there's nothing I can do, which is absolutely true. Mm. But at the same time, like sin is also the church I used to be on staff at used to say for kids, anything I think, say or do that doesn't honor God. And I feel like that's super convicting to me, but it's also more than that at the same time. And so I think it's kind of this word, especially in my generation, that we just want to push off of like, oh, well, I don't do anything wrong. It's my life. It's my truth. So like sin doesn't really apply to me. Right. Which isn't true because we're right. all fallen humans and it applies to all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that idea of my truth. I mean, not only <laughs> is it the dumbest thing I've ever heard right. in my life. <laughs> um, then, yeah, I mean, literally that by definition. Yeah, and it's you just just run that th- run that through like a little bit. Yeah. You know, like play that out and right. just take Littleton, Colorado. Play that out as if everybody in Littleton lived by their own truth. Right. You know, like that. I, I would hope as a culture and a society. We're a little smarter than that by this point. But um, I do think that is sort of like the heart of sin is like mm-hmm. my truth versus the truth. Yeah, or like right. a truth. Like right. is there a truth? Right. Um, or is sin subjective? Yeah. Like, and how does individual. that contend with what I believe is truth? Right. Yeah. I think I grew up in a not the same sort of church background as Connor or Heather really. More just one that focused so much that sin is – Sin is bad. Sin is wrong. Don't do it. Yeah. You, we are all sinners. Very, like, heavy on the, the sin message. Not so heavy on the grace message. Yeah. Um, and I think 
but there's there's negatives and positives I think to focusing too much on one or the other. Um, but it definitely gave like this sort of glooming negativity surrounding the word and almost pushed me to the point where I'm like, well, is it even real? Like, does this matter? Is it yeah. subjective? Is what they're like pushing even like right or what they're saying even like truth? Um, so I think that's why it's super important to actually look at like what the Bible actually says. Um, sin is like how how does the Bible we know how certain churches and maybe the world yeah. define sin like the church defines sin like Connor was talking as like bad don't do it this yeah. is wrong and then the world maybe defines sin as like yeah I don't really know if it's real or not we'll see um, but what when we look at the Bible how would you say the Bible actually defines what sin is yeah I mean in my message I talked about how sin literally is to miss the mark um we all have marks for our life. You know, we all have mile markers, I guess, that we'd want to hit. But God also has, like, markers. I, I, I gave a message a while ago called The Beauty of Boundaries, and it's fascinating to me um, <clears throat> because before sin entered the world, you can read kind of Genesis 1, 2, and 3, before sin ever existed, God actually gave humanity boundaries. Yeah. And so we think that, uh, you know, a lot of modern people would probably think like, oh, the Bible gives boundaries as a result of sin because humans have a propensity to do bad things. That's why there's laws in the Bible. That's why there's do this, don't do this, whatever. It's actually not true. Boundaries pre-exist sin. Yeah. God knew that for humans to live their best life, to best image Jesus and to like best reflect God and partner with God and bringing like good to, to this world, we needed boundaries before... <clears throat> sin was even a thing right and so uh, to sin just means to like step outside of or miss the mark of the boundaries that god has set now when we hear that we think like okay do this don't do that but the reason that's it's very important to make sure we like define sin as wrong and not bad Mm. is because when you view sin as bad you're creating this false moral narrative that god wants you to be a good person yeah um Again, somebody's probably going to email us or say whatever. <laughs> I personally don't think God cares at all about you being a good person. Mm. Because the Bible says, I mean, even Psalm 51, um, and this is just interesting, uh, specifically in like the political climate we're in. But David is like writing uh, this, this psalm out. It's like a prayer. It's like a call for help, a cry for help. It's like a song. Psalms are kind of like everything kind of rolled into one. Mm -hmm. But he said, like, against you and only you, God, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. You're right in your verdict. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother even conceived me. So at the point of conception, he had a propensity to sin. But then he said, you desire faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. So even from before you're born, you have a propensity to go against what God has said is good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry. I, I, I say all that to say, like, when we say sin is bad, we create this false moral narrative. Sin isn't bad, it's wrong. And when you sin, it doesn't make you a bad person. You're, it's leading you into a wrong place that'll harm both you and, and other people. Yeah. So, yeah. I think, yeah, sin, the easiest way to say is missing the mark. I kind of like to say, sort of like what Heather said, is acting, thinking, believing, doing anything that is opposed to what God has said is good and will bring the most good out of your life. Yeah, it's good. I don't know. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. I guess I'm just like, I do think, like I said earlier in my generation, it's just we're so like prone to push sin off. But mm-hmm. it's like that just leads to like more death by ignoring it of like, well, it doesn't apply to me or like this is a big scary concept. So I don't want to think about it or I don't know what to do with it. And that is just like leading to more death and more right. sin in your life because you're just ignoring like we obviously believe that scripture is like the finality truth. And so by pushing sin off, you're ignoring huge parts of scripture. And I think you're just missing where freedom is by choosing to yeah. ignore the consequences of it. Yeah. That's yeah. so good. Yeah, because I think when we make it a good or bad issue, it's like, well, who defines what's good or bad? Now, we would say ultimately God. Mm-hmm. But the Bible really doesn't frame sin in that light. It does, but it yeah. more so frames it into a life or death right. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. When for you the sin, wages of sin is death. Yeah. But the gift of God is, is eternal life. life. Yeah. It's yeah. not... It's not Oh, I slept with my boyfriend. I'm a bad person. Right. It's like, no, what you're actually doing is you're inviting death into that relationship um, when God actually wants life in that relationship. It's not that you made a bad decision and now you're a bad person. Not at all. It's that God wants you to have life and he wants your relationship to have life. And when you do things in opposed to the way God gave us the boundaries and the outlines for, let's just say, relationships. Yeah. You're inviting death into that. You're actually allowing something to come in and destroy it um, when God actually wants it to flourish. And so that's why it's important for me to not view it as simply good, bad. It's it's right and wrong. It's life and death more than it is good, bad necessarily, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's so good. And I think when you look at it from that perspective, it changes – the idea of like the punishment around sin, right? Because I think yeah. so much the world sees these people that are like turn or burn or like yeah. if you die today, do you know where you're going to? Which is so intense and makes it seem like you are going to be punished for being a bad person. Where as in it's actually like whatever you like in this life currently, the punishment, quote unquote, to like to speak to that sort of idea that you will be punished. Um is that like you're actually like sowing death so you will like reap death yeah. like yeah. in your relationship and like whoever like sows something to I think it's like in Galatians whoever sows to like please with the spirit um will actually like reap life yeah. like there will be ben- there's benefits to walking in like life in Jesus's way yeah. and there's just like certain consequences to where I think like people think that there's not like if I want to sleep with my boyfriend before we're married or if I want to like get drunk <laughs> every weekend yeah. and yeah. act like an idiot like there's no real consequence on this side and like maybe one day there is but who's to say it's like no the the actual like consequences so to speak are that like you you're doing things that are actually taking away yeah, from you're, life yeah. you're literally agreeing with and partnering yeah. With death and like, so good. and I know that like, there's somebody out there listening right now that's like, well, I'm sleeping with my boyfriend or my girlfriend, and it seems great. Like, doesn't <laughs> seem like there's any death in my life. Right. <laughs> I mean, the the Bible literally says that sin's pleasurable for a moment. That yeah. like, s- sin is so evil and so wicked that it can it can bring a like an illusion of good to your life mm-hmm. for a while, but then the Bible says in all, it ultimately leads you to death. Yeah. And so we're not saying that like sin, like sin isn't overtly something that's going to lead you to death. Yeah. It, it's going to feel and look and seem harmless. 
but you slowly keep on walking that road, you're just going to find yourself in a less optimal position than you would if you agree with God. Yeah. The, the more I read the Bible, the more good I see God being and not like in not in this like holistic, holy like way. He is that. But he's also just very, very practical and very for you in the mm-hmm. sense of like he knows from everything, from like having children. Sorry, we're, we're sticking with this like relationship illustration. <laughs> it applies to every area of life, but for whatever reason. So let's just stick to relationship. Like when it comes to like having children, like yeah. he wants the best for you and your kids, yeah. for your heart and like not having it broken and potentially being cheated on or whatever, or giving yourself to somebody when you're not married and they end up walking away and the pain and the distrust, like all of that for the most part can be avoided by doing it God's way. Yeah. And, and it, that sounds so elementary, like in thought, but I mean, I think God's super practical in that sense of like, yeah. hey, when I say that I'm good, I'm not, it's not like just hi- hypothetically ethereal. It's right. like, if you do things my way, there's potential for you to avoid a lot of self-inflicted pain. Right. It's life. not like a trick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like he's actually good and he actually knows yeah. what is like best for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like flashback to being like a little kid where you're like, do I really trust that my dad, like me not putting my hand on the stove is actually what I should do? It's right. like God telling you not to put your hand on the stove. Like, right. don't sleep with them. You're going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. But it's right. just God's kindness to us by putting boundaries in place. But I also do think we kind of forget about the thought life behind our sin. Mm-hmm. Like, that. I said this last week, too, so I guess I'll just keep with the theme. But that oftentimes when we sin or when we choose things or when we put our identity in relationships to stick with the example, we, like, are missing— missing something that's true about God. And so when we try it, we're just grasping for control. And I think that's often where sin starts is us thinking that we know better. I mean, it's literally in the garden. It's Eve eating from the tree, Mm -hmm. her thinking she knows better than God. And I think a lot of times our sin starts there, but it's easy to deal with, or it's not easy, easier to see the consequences of it. Like, oh, I'm getting drunk on the weekend, so I'll just stop getting drunk. Or, oh, I'm having sex with my boyfriend. I'll stop having sex with my boyfriend. But the reality is like, oh, I do I just not believe that God wants good things for me? Do I not believe that he has good things in store for me? Right. Yeah. Of like changing that that thought of like, oh, I'm just simply not going to do this because yeah. I know I'm not supposed to, to like, no, I actually believe that God's way is better. Yeah. yeah. And that there's. And I think so much of sin is like we settle for good when God offers like the best. Like not yeah. only is God good, but it's the best way. Like sex isn't bad. Like, you know, right. we, we have, a, we if you've grown up in church, you've, probably felt that like dynamic of like sex is bad 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 but then when you're married it's good and you're like what like this feels weird but like sex is always good it's best when it's done god's way you know what i mean sex is always made to be good yeah sex can be very harmful and and hurtful yeah but it's best when it's done god's way yeah so by design yeah that's everything i think and i think another Another interesting point, and Heather sort of spoke to this a little bit, of, like, the idea, is sin actually, like, action-oriented, or is it determined, like, more within our thoughts? Like, if we aren't acting upon certain sin, maybe, but we are maybe, like, still within this mindset of maybe thought life or maybe not yielding to that idea fully, but you're like, hey, I'm not doing it. I don't know. Can anyone, like, speak to that of, like, is it more action-oriented or determined by our thoughts? 
I think God is way more gracious than I could imagine. Mm. But Jesus really came and exposed the brokenness of humanity when he kind of talked about all these things. So the Pharisees and Sadducees and all of them were, you know, asking him all these questions. And he was like, hey, if you even look at a woman and like lust after her, it's like you've already done it. It's yeah. like you've already sinned. And so everybody listening here is like, well, frick, I'm screwed. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I, if I can't even think about cussing somebody out, like, what, like, what do I do? Like, and I think Jesus did that to, to show how helplessly broken we are. Yeah. Like, but that's what's so good about Jesus is that like he know he knows he understands, and he still offers grace, mercy, kindness, and love and life. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I think I think sin is is birthed. In the heart, in the mind, yeah. Um, I think the ultimate form of growing to be like in the image of God is when you can even the Bible says take every thought captive. Yeah, is when not only are you sort of like dealing with your physical symptoms of like going out and getting drunk, yeah, or sleeping around, but when you can actually begin to recognize those thought patterns and and redirect them into something that's like healthier. So, right. I would say, and, and I mean, this is me. I'm not God. Maybe it's better to think about getting drunk than doing it. Yeah. <laughs> but but I think God's goal would be for you to not even like to eventually get to a place where when those thoughts come up, um, you submit them to him. So I don't think anytime right. you have a negative thought, it's a sin. Right. I do think what you do with that um, yeah. determines whether it's goes against what God has said is good or you just kind of dive in and do whatever you want. Yeah. And Jesus says, like in Mark 2, it says, like, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. But from within, out the heart of man is, like, what flows out of you. So, and, like, it says, like, you, Bible says you need to be transformed by, like, the renewal of your mind. Um, that you may, like, discern the will of God and what is acceptable and good and perfect. So it's not, it's, it's so much more about, like, yes, like, the action of sin is obviously, like, what you maybe want to avoid more, but it's like Jesus just has more. Like he wants your mind to be renewed, like you said. Like he doesn't – It like these things are obviously still an entrapment that can like sort of take take over your mind. And so it's not a matter of like as long as you're not doing anything but you still are like having these thoughts or struggling in your your conscience and in your mind with these things. It's like no, there's actually more like freedom Mm -hmm. to be found. It's not a matter of just like – constant and like yes there to speak to this a little bit there is like a matter of like we we talked about this earlier we were born in descent like we we by nature are sinful and everybody has certain bends to which like things that they struggle with certain sins that they struggle with um but more than that like there is like freedom for you it's like god's heart is not for you to just be like every day walking through like oh i'm just really like really struggling not to do this and I really want to or I'm trying to like not look at that girl or not look at that thing or yeah. whatever there is like a renewal of the mind to be had yeah because that's not freedom that's pretty you're just exactly. a prisoner in your own mind yeah like exactly. that's not life you're just you're just honestly prolonging the inevitable a little bit <laughs> right but James James 115 this will be my last little thought on this it says after a desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. 
Um, temptation wow. can lead to sin, but it doesn't have to. So basically what I'm saying that's is good. like you can have a desire that's wrong. Yeah, right. But when you check that, yeah, I think that's growth. That's not sin. Yeah. When you allow mm-hmm. that desire to conceive, to take root, to like, you know, to it's it's talking in terms of pregnancy to like create a little, <laughs> you know, <laughs> little <laughs> mini human in you. Like when, when you allow it to conceive, it's yeah. Yeah. So that's so good. Yeah. I think it starts in your mind, but I, I, I don't think every negative thought is a sin. I think it can lead that way. Yeah. So. That's super good. Yeah. Um, well, we'll move on real quick just for the sake of time. Um, another question that I think gets super misconstrued, and um, I think you and I both talked about this in the past couple weeks um, at YA through different sermons and different outlets, but this idea of how God feels towards us when we sin. I know that growing up in the, with the church background I had, I definitely had a lot of uh, thoughts and worries and fears about how God was like looking at me when when I was involved in sin or struggling with certain things. Um, so maybe just speak to that a little bit. Thoughts on how God feels towards humanity when we sin. Well, this is a shameless plug for the book that I won't stop talking about. Um, <laughs> but I am reading this book for like the second or third time. Um, it's called Gentle and Lowly. But it's all about how God views sinners and how God views us in suffering And something for me personally that I feel like I am always wrestling with is the idea that God is disappointed in me or that somehow because I'm now in Christ, I'm supposed to be sinless, which is just not true. It's literally impossible um, on the side of heaven to not have sin. And oh, (coughs) part of it is that Jesus describes himself as gentle and lowly. And the premise is that he has more mercy on us than we could ever have on ourselves. And it's so difficult to see myself that way but I think for a lot of us to see ourselves that way of oh I deserve mercy right now but it is God's been to show mercy that's why he sent Jesus it is God's kindness and it is his very character that his first outpouring is mercy and kindness and gentleness his first outpouring isn't wrath we even see it in the Old Testament in the way that he's preserved Israel for thousands of years when all they do is defy him he like chooses to preserve them because his bend is mercy and kindness yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think with the way God thinks about you, the Bible says where sin abound, grace abounds much more. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. really, this is this is why you're a Christian. Like yeah. the Bible talks about like the New Testament re- referring to the law, referring to the Old Testament says that like the law was given not not as a way to give us like a moral code or handbook, but to actually expose like sin. Mm-hmm. It, it says in Roman, Romans 5, um, the law entered in that sin might abound. Yeah, It's like, what does that mean? So God gave us the law to make us sin more? Like, no, it's to expose like this whole, it's, it's this basic, the Bible is a really simple story. It's this build up to like, hey, you can't do it. You yeah. can't. Yeah. You just can't do it. Right. Um, but there's somebody who can, and yeah. he did. Mm-hmm. And if you put your faith in him, you now can do it. Not because yourself. Yeah. But because of him. And so I think, man, I think when when we sin, God sees Jesus. I think like I think that I think sin breaks God's heart. Um, But again, I don't think it's because he sees us as these awful, horrible, disgusting people. Right. But because he knows we're living far less than what he's offered us. Right. And so when we do sin, I think 
he sees grace. And when we call out to Jesus, I think he freely offers it. I think yeah. he, he doesn't hold it against us. The Bible says he's, he's actually cast our sin as far as the east is from the west. Mm-hmm. It says he remembers it no more. Like the only thing God could ever forget is something he chooses to forget, and he forgets our sin. Yeah. And so I think that we remember our sin way more than God does. And we talked about this a little bit a few weeks ago, but Jesus, one of the heart of Jesus's messages was repent, basically change your mind and agree with me. Yeah. And and you can have life. And I think that's still God's heart is that when we sin, when we say, God, I'm sorry, I sinned, we're changing our mind, we're agreeing with him and his immediate response. And I and I think his response even beforehand is is grace and yeah. and and mercy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So good. I love it. It's the entire message of Jesus Mm -hmm. of that, like when God literally couldn't exist with sin and we had allowed sin to enter into the world and he actually couldn't be close to us because God is so perfect and holy. He actually can't exist where sin is. Enter Jesus where he actually takes on sin, becomes sin himself and sort of creates this inseparable um, connection so that we can now be close to God again. Um, It's just... It's just good. And I think even with that, even with the message of Jesus, I think sometimes as Christians, maybe non-Christians, we can still feel this sort of shame um, when surrounding sin. I think sometimes within the church or within whatever background you might have, there's still maybe like shame and guilt that surrounds um, sort of this idea of, of sin. And as Christians or as believers or someone trying to walk um in the freedom of Christ, how do we sort of balance that idea of no longer being bound to sin so we're no longer feeling shame, guilt, or anything um, that sort of in the past has maybe come with the idea of us, us sinning? Um, uh, yeah, I think this is like a big wrestle for me, um, and I think a lot of believers, because there is a place of conviction, and the Spirit mm-hmm. convicts us. It, like, calls us higher because we now— follow Christ and are not bound to sin. Um, Romans says that we're slaves to righteousness, and part of that is conviction, that the Spirit calls us higher, and it calls us to live um, lives that reflect Christ, and that's beautiful, but Mm -hmm. it is never God's intention for us to feel shame. Jesus did not come so that we would be under a yoke of slavery and shame and guilt. Like, that is not Christ's heart. Mm -hmm. Christ came so that we could have freedom and life abundant and abundant life isn't found in like the shadows and found in hiding and found in feeling shame for our sin and so I think it's just I mean it's repentance it's what Connor said um turning our mind towards God like turning our heart towards God and that's where freedom is found and that freedom is from shame and from guilt yeah yeah that's so good I think I love what you just said because it reminded me of um what Josh Kingry actually said in his message, um, our Laco campus pastor preached to our church's past uh, message and sort of around this about just talking about walking within the spirit. And he talked about like, if you were feeling guilt and shame and he's like, that's different than conviction. If you are Mm -hmm. feeling that, if you're feeling guilt and shame, that's like not from the Lord. It's not necessarily conviction. What it is is that your spirit and your flesh are actually like at odds at war with each other. And so all you're feeling in that moment is like this friction of like the spirit and the flesh like trying to like battle it out within you. And so your flesh is like trying to get you to sin and to do things that are at odds with the spirit, um, making you feel guilt. And the spirit is actually like can't 
they're they're at war with each other. It says in Galatians, it's like they are actually like they cannot exist. Yeah. Um, with each other, they conflict with each other. Um, to make you like not do what you want, and I just love that imagery because I think it was like, oh, you're like I think I've heard too growing up. It's like. I feel guilty for doing this. And they're like, oh, well, that's actually, you're just convicted. Yeah. Because the spirit knows it's wrong. And I think this this sort of like mental shift of like, no, actually it's just like your spirit and your flesh yeah. like battling it out. It's the friction that you're feeling of like, you're, you're that you are supposed to be walking with the spirit, be walking in a way that leads to life and life and death are actually sort of at war yeah. in this moment. So that's like great. conviction should point you back to Jesus. Yeah. If it's the spirit, it's going to point you back to the goodness and the mercy and the kindness of God versus shame just brings you back to yourself. of Oh, what am yeah. I not? Who am I not? What did I do wrong? Yeah. When so conviction good. looks the other way and says, who is God and what has he done? And what did Jesus die on the cross for? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. It's good. Love it. I feel like we've <laughs> talked so much about <laughs> this idea of sin lately. Um, I have one one more quick thought um, that you guys can maybe add your little like footnotes to. But okay. as people who work within the church, both believers walking with Christ in different seasons of life, how do you feel like we as the church going into 2022 for this next generation? Like what is like your quick footnote statement on how maybe we need to sort of change this narrative and this idea when talking about sin to this next generation of the church and the kingdom? I think we need to talk about it. I think I think <laughs> it's great. Yeah. yeah, I think most churches don't talk about sin, and mm-hmm. and there are so many people that leave Christianity because it's not working, and the right. reason it doesn't work is because we're only being told like half the story. I think we live well in a really sensitive time. I think mm-hmm. the younger folks um, <laughs> he looked at me. Don't worry, are very sensitive to like. How dare you tell me that I'm wrong? How dare you tell me my thoughts are wrong, my identity's wrong, my sexuality's wrong, like anything like that. Yeah. Like that is the only sin that exists is to say there's sin, but there is sin. Yeah. And so what's hard is like we we talk about all these promises, all of this goodness that God has for you, which is all true, Mm -hmm. but you can't experience that when you first don't diagnose the problem. But yeah. here, here's what's so amazing is that Jesus is the answer to the problem. Yeah. And so when you point people to Jesus, it's both the promise and the answer found in the same person. Right. Yeah. And so I, I think we need to make more of Jesus. We need to make less of sort of these like how to live your best life sort of thing. Because like Jesus is your best life. He, right. he yeah. really is. Um, I think the younger generation, the narrative we need to be talking about is that sin is real. It's very much real. Um, I mean, and we can just look at our world today and like see that in every arena. Um, But that we don't have to focus on it because there's an answer and 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 there's it's it's actually already been handled. Yeah. Um, So good. So that I don't know. That'd be my thought. I mean, I think I have the same the same thought, but just (laughs) essentially like we have to talk about it if we don't understand sin, if we don't understand the severity of it, I mean, the whole, like Connor said earlier, the whole Old Testament points to the depravity of humanity and the need for a savior, but we don't see the goodness of Jesus if we don't see sin. Like yeah. Jesus came so that we might have life and life is found in him and death is found in sin. And so right. if we ignore half of the story, then we don't have the good news of the gospel. We just have 
like, oh, God. Yeah, you know? it, sounds, right. it sounds like a pyramid scheme. Yeah, yeah. It's incomplete gospel. So, I th- and I think my generation um, is craving that. I think we mm. want truth. We don't just want to, like, be hear the good thing or, I don't know, get the sugar-coated version. Like, we see reality. We see the depths of sin on the news every day in social media. We've been exposed to it since we were four years old and got an iPhone touch. Like, right. we are craving a savior. <laughs> Sorry, Connor just had a heart attack. Four years um, old. I, I was like 12, okay, but same thing. <laughs> um, but we are craving a savior, and we just don't know where to find it when we don't see, like, understand that we need it. Right. Yeah. That's good. I think everybody knows it's real. Yeah. I think we don't want it to be real. Right. But, I, but I mean, you can, if you, ver- if you change the verbiage around it, call it brokenness, call it whatever, there's not a person in the world that would say, yeah, something's not wrong. Right. You know? Um, yeah. And so that, that's what I find more too about like younger people that are coming to church, people in their like late teens, early twenties, even up to thirties. It's like, Hey, I know something's wrong. Yeah. What is it? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like what, yeah. what is it? So, yeah. Yeah. It's so good. So good. Love it. Well, thank you guys for joining us and sharing all your thoughts. I thought um, he was going to hit a button. No, no. <laughs> Give him some applause again. I thought he yeah. wanted to, you know. <laughs> um, so good. Heather, would you just pray for us and hold everyone on, hold listening? On. Oh, I, oh, oh. He's got, got a, another I thought. I got a final thought. Oh, final thought. She just asked for final thoughts. <laughs> well, here's, another one here's my up. second final thought. <laughs> so for anybody listening who, I don't know, maybe, maybe we said something that rubbed you the wrong way or maybe just even hearing a conversation mm-hmm. like this still brings up those feelings of guilt, shame, you're not good enough, you're dirty, you're gross, whatever. There's a verse that a pastor friend of mine used to talk about all the time, and I love it. And I think it, I think it fully summarizes as a follower of Jesus the tension we feel of, of still wrestling with things that go against what God has said is good, but also knowing that God loves us and there's grace for us. It's Hebrews 10, 11 through 14, specifically 14, but I'll read 11 through 14. It says this, Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. It was a reflection of what the priest would do in the Old Testament. But it says, but when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God, meaning there's nothing else that needs to be done to take care of your sin. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. This is the verse. For by one sacrifice, basically because of Jesus, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So So when your faith is in Jesus, you are made perfect for what he's done. You're positionally perfect the rest of your life, even though you're continually in a process of being made holy. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the tension and the reality that we live in is, hey, I'm a Christian. I come to church. I've raised my hand. I've put my faith. I actually believe this stuff. Why do I still wrestle with doing things that are wrong? Well, because in God's eyes, you're perfect, and he's taking you in a, on a journey to make you more holy, to make you like Jesus. Yeah. So, so good. I feel like it's like the perfect verse to summarize this thought. is you're, you, He's made you perfect forever, even though you're still being made holy. Yeah. So, sorry, that was my final thought. No, that was good. Love I'm glad it. you said it. Yeah. Yeah. So, good Heather, reminder. pray for us. <laughs> um. Lord, thank you um, for today. Thank you um, that we get to sit in a room like this. And I just pray for everyone listening, Lord, that um, they would see you in a new way. 
and get a better idea of what sin looks like and what your heart is towards us, even though we are imperfect. You love us all the more. And so thank you. It's in your son's name. Amen. 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 Thank you guys again for joining us on this week's podcast. Um, If you're listening and you're in the Denver area and you have never been to a Thursday night here with us at Red Rocks Young Adults, um, join us. We meet every single Thursday at 5810 West Alameda for service, 7 p.m., Connor might be preaching or whoever, so come <laughs> come check it's it out. Maybe Milana. <laughs> it's a mystery. Maybe um, no. We'd love to meet you, learn your name. Um, yeah, and then to just keep up in general with all things young adults, you can follow us on any of our social media platforms. You can find us. We're just Red Rocks YA, Red Rocks Young Adults. Keep it nice and simple. Um, but we're releasing podcasts um, bi-weekly for now. Hopefully in the fall we'll get some more content rolling out for you guys but continue to submit your requests your ideas thoughts questions you might have to us things you want to hear us talk about on the podcast or on a thursday night um but yeah we love you guys we hope you have a great rest of your week and we will see you next time see you next time bye Bye. try bruto bye